these people already raise their hand. They're already interested. So go ahead. Know what their pain points are. Yeah. Know why they're using your product, how they're using it, and what do they look forward to? We have clients that they are thinking about the next step. And instead of just coming out in a vacuum and just coming out with a new color or a new model, instead, we're going back to our customers and said, what do you want? What would motivate you to come back to us? And that's how you move forward. And so take those clues and then apply it to the marketplace and the other people that have not bought. listening to the Move to Millions podcast with Dr. Darnielle J. Harmon. If you're ready for high-level conversations that position and prepare you to move your company, cash flow and connection to and beyond the million dollar mark, let's get this party started. This episode is powered by Shatter Your Income Ceiling, my private advanced training that breaks down the framework my clients and I are using to experience consistent thirty to $100,000 months in their service-based businesses. Learn more and apply today at workwithdarnielle.com. In today's episode, I sit down with Naira Perez. Oh my goodness. If you have been wondering, questioning, thinking about leveraging the power of digital marketing to move your business to and beyond the million-dollar mark, you can thank me later. You can actually thank me after you listen because... Naira and I just had the most powerful, powerful conversation. Naira Perez is the owner and founder of Spring Hill Digital. She got her start in direct response advertising, optimizing paid media plans and placements to achieve maximum ROI for her clients. After two decades in the trenches of product advertising, Naira founded Spring Hill in 2016 on the concept that data is always in the driver's seat. That's what we talked about a lot today. From pay-per-click and integrated campaign design to marketing on a shoestring budget, Naira puts her unique spin on all aspects of digital marketing. Let me just tell you something. This conversation was so amazing. My favorite part was when we talked about retargeting. I'm not going to steal Naira's thunder. I want you to hear it first from her, and then I will bring you back to your remembrance when we do our outro for the show. So grab your pen, grab your paper, get yourself ready, get your favorite cup of hot tea, coffee, chocolate, whatever it is you love. And let's jump into my conversation with Naira Perez. Naira Perez. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here on the Move to Millions podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Awesome. 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 So before we jump in, why don't you just take a quick moment and let everybody know who you are in your own words? Yeah. So I am a digital marketer. That's who I am. I've tried to be other things and I always come back to digital marketing. I moved to the United States uh, a long time ago and uh, loved it, uh, loved business, especially in the United States. And uh, I come originally from Spain and worked in performance-based marketing, which means just marketing that is based on data yeah. and move through the different iterations of performance marketing. And now ended up in paid media, social paid media, Google ads, all of that. So yeah, I love data and that's how I live my life. I research everything I do. I look for patterns, for trends and how to improve what we're doing today. Even going to a restaurant for me, is like, how can I do these better? And it's unconscious. So that's really who I am. 
apart from, you know, mom and founder of my own digital agency. I love everything you just said, Naira. And I love it because I think that entrepreneurs, CEOs, and small business owners who don't pay attention to the data are doing themselves and their businesses and their businesses, bottom line, a tremendous disservice. And so I love that right out the gate, you're like, no, we got to pay attention to the data. So, you know, you already know this is where we're going in this conversation, because I know not enough people are paying attention. I have been the very first person to introduce many of our clients and students and attendees at our live events to the term key performance indicator. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's a problem if you're in business, right? Like you should know this. I think the data tells us everything we need to know and it allows us to determine our behaviors, right? And what it is that we do. So let's talk about that. So if I am in business and not early stage, because we don't really have early stage entrepreneurs and small business owners that listen to this podcast, but people who have, they've made it to that first milestone beyond the six figure mark, but they already know that their business needs to scale up to the million dollar mark, right? And beyond. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you think are important that they begin to look at and then eventually track in order to help them make the move to millions? Yeah, that's a great question. So Whenever a business starts, like you said, they start, they kind of try different things. They go for what works and it's an organic growth. And once you're there, like, how do you maintain it? How do you maintain that growth to get to the next level? And at that time, you have to almost go back to the beginning, almost go back to looking at who's buying your product or service. What do they want? What do they need? And where do you find people like that to continue talking to them and engaging them. Also, by the sheer volume that you have achieved, you may have acquired inefficiencies in your marketing that should be optimized. So it is actually the most difficult part is to look back at what you have built with critical eyes. Because if you've gotten this far, it's because you're successful. So why shouldn't you continue doing the same thing and getting the same results? Is the same thought process that you will look at advertising. Whenever we look at advertising, the first part can be very successful, but maintaining it, that's where the work is, maintaining it. Going back and just parsing out what has happened, eliminating things that didn't, eliminating inefficiencies and concentrating on what you can duplicate to continue. That's so good. Oh, that's so good. Okay. There's so many really powerful things that you said. I just want to pull out some of the things that I caught to make sure that our listeners caught them as well. So when you're growing organically, it's kind of okay to just take what Mm -hmm. comes. But when you're ready to scale, you have got to go back to the beginning and start to see what you have actually done, which can be challenging because most people don't want to look back. They want to look ahead, right? And so you said there are three questions they need to ask themselves. Who have they been serving? Mm -hmm. What do they want? And what do they need next? And how can you find them? And it's important to understand that maintaining what you've already done is where the real work comes in. And you have to start concentrating on what you've learned about yourself in order to do that. I don't even know if you realize you said all of that, but that was so good. Like (laughs) already, if you are joining us today, you are listening to a prescription from a digital marketing and a data perspective of what you need to be focused on if you've got your mind set on millions, right? If you truly want to scale your business up, 
the data is going to be important. It cannot be neglected. And if you don't understand how to interpret it, you're going to miss the mark. You're going to need to have someone on your team who can look at all of the data. Now, Naira, I know that there are lots of different data points that we could be looking at from your estimation. And I know I'm not giving you an exact scenario of a specific customer, but in your best estimation, what are the data points that are non-negotiable for a company to be looking at if they desire to scale? So the data points and it just depend on the data sources. So let's say at your customers, as an example, if we look at who has purchased right now, then we're going to look at many things. One of them being how much is one customer worth to you? It's not the initial purchase. It is the lifetime value. So I want to know the lifetime value of that customer. Do they come more than one time? How frequently do they come? And do they need other services that we can add to their basic service? So that's analyzing what the purchase is right now. What's that basket? How does it look? And is this customer like coming three times? Is it coming four times? So there is many business models where they lose money getting customers, but because that customer is going to stay long, then they make up that difference. So that's the main part to look at customers that you have acquired. And they're going to give you the clues for customers that you are going to acquire. Right. And they're going to tell you what you should maybe be offering too. Exactly. Yeah. Because you start the business with a product or a service in mind as you probably would use it. Yeah, but that yeah. doesn't mean that the marketplace uses it the same way or appreciates it for the same values that you started it. They may have found new ways to use your product. They may have found new reasons to use your services. So look at that. Look at their feedback. That information, it's free to you. They're your customers. Interact with them and ask them questions. And you know what? That is part of a conversation. Like you and I are talking right now. You're asking me questions. I'm answering them. So that is how conversations go. That's how a relationship is established. So do that with your customers. These people already raised their hand. They're already interested. So go ahead. Know what their pain points are. Know why they're using your product, how they're using it, and what do they look forward to? We have clients that they are thinking about the next step. And instead of just coming out in a vacuum and just coming out with a new color or a new model, instead, we're going back to our customer and said, what do you want? What would motivate you to come back to us? And that's how you move forward. And so take those clues and then apply it to the marketplace and the other people that have not bought. Yeah, that's so simple. And I feel like, Because it's simple, it's overlooked. Yeah. Like how many people actually go back to the people who have previously purchased from them, ask them, why did they purchase it? And then what do you need next? I think it's one thing and that there are business models that clearly create what we call a problem progression plan, right? Like they know once I solve this problem, this is the next solution I'm going to present to them because they're going to have a new problem, et cetera, et cetera. But when you don't necessarily have a litany of products and services already available for your customers, the best thing to do is to go back and ask those customers. And I I mean, this data, this statistic may be a little old, but I remember a few years ago, 
reading that 78% of the customers that have invested in themselves through you in the past will continue to do so if you continue to present them with solutions to their next problem. Mm -hmm. And so it's that whole adage, it's cheaper to keep her, right? It's cheaper to keep your existing clients than it is to go out and get a new one. Like that's another data point, right? Your client acquisition costs, your customer acquisition costs. But if I already have customers that have additional problems, if I'm not trying to solve all of their problems as soon as I meet them and I'm focused in on just that one first immediate need, I then open up an opportunity to present additional solutions to them over time, which cuts out that cost, right? And so regardless, if I spent $1,000 to acquire that customer in the first place, and maybe the first thing that they purchased was $1,000, so it was a wash. But as you just said a few minutes ago, I open up a relationship that allows me to serve that client for the rest of their life, that lifetime value of that client being 50,000. Who cares about the $1,000 it costs me to get them because now I'm going to have $50,000 over the lifetime of them. And so I think that for those of you who are listening that have desire to really scale your business up, what I feel like Naira is saying that I really want you to take heed to is that the first place you need to start is looking at your existing customers. Don't go creating new products and services. Talk to the people who have already invested in themselves through your products and services and see whether or not they need something additional that would be easy for your team to create. That's exactly. So good. so good. Exactly. And that's the first point. That's the first place to start. And then from there, we can start talking about what you were referring to, customer acquisition. Yeah. Like, when does it make sense? How much can I pay for a new customer or for a new lead? But you have to have a plan. And yeah. that's why we started with current customers. Because if you know the lifetime value, then you can get to a customer a cost per customer acquisition. And how much do I need to pay for a click and a lead and a customer? And so, but that plan doesn't have any sense if you do not know how much that customer will be for you. Right. So, yeah. So that's so good, Naira. Like just in full transparency, just a few years ago, like we only literally in 2019 started running ads, right? Across multiple platforms, of course, probably the largest being Facebook ads because they're like the largest platform right now, right? So, but prior to that, my mindset was so wrong. Like I, I don't even know where it came from, but I had this aversion to spending money for advertising without knowing if it was going to produce a client. Whereas now I think about like, we might spend $50 to get an application for our program, right? And then that person fills out that application and they are approved and then they enroll and invest five figures in our program. And so Mm -hmm. now when I think about myself today, who's open to advertising, I'm like, why were you so afraid of it? You spend 50 bucks to make five figures? Like, what are we talking about? And so I want you to talk about that a little bit, because I'm sure you see this all the time in your space. People are coming and they're like, well, I want to get customers, but I don't want it to cost that much. Like, How do you help people break through that barrier and that small mindedness? Because that's honestly what it is that's going to keep them really not being able to to get in front of the customers they say they want to serve if they're unwilling to spend the money. Like, what would you say to someone if you're in a consultation with them? Yeah. You know what? We use uh, data. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, of course we do. But data and a plan, you can demonstrate very objectively that when people have a plan and know their KPIs, they actually can make it work. Because 
if I set out a plan in front of you and I tell you, okay, your cost per acquisition is X, then your cost per lead has to be Y. And then your cost per click has to be, then you can see how it can progress. Mm -hmm. And then you can see where we will move the leverage, where we will optimize to get you there. Yeah, also, yeah. we start with pilot programs. You say, okay, you don't feel comfortable investing $10,000. I totally get it. Nobody is comfortable investing $10,000. Let's start with $2,000. Let's start testing the messages. Let's start showing you for very small investment what the learnings you're going to get and how much value you're going to get, even if you don't get the customer that you want right away. Yeah, We're going to yeah. learn so much that by the time you're done with this test, you're going to have the learnings to improve your business. So it's much easier than buying sometimes that buying research studies that do not relate to your business directly, that are kind of in the industry, but not to your business directly. It's much easier, much cheaper to advertise and get learnings than actually go and go and do focus groups, which are very limited. I love focus groups, but they're a very limited view of what your customers want and, and think. Yeah. Through advertising in social media, you get feedback, which also it's another barrier to entry because a lot of people are afraid of negative feedback. Mm. And people will comment in ads as if they were posts mm. and they're as honest. I've seen um, that. <laughs> yeah. Even more because they feel like they can be even more honest or, or meaner because you're paying for ads. So it's just... Right. I don't know, it generates some things, but don't be afraid for those things because those are actually opportunities. Mm -hmm. They are opportunities to see where your product or service or your messaging, where is it failing? Or where do you have to educate your clients or your audience? Mm -hmm. We've had a lot of businesses who are high priced products. So the first thing that audiences are going to comment on is, this is too expensive and rightfully so. Yes, it is expensive, but let me tell you why. Let me tell you why you want to pay more. Let me tell you the love that, you, that we put in, the quality that we put in. Let me tell you all the, all the things that we do to make this product superior to any other competitor that can sell it cheaper. They can sell it cheaper because they don't take these measures. Yeah, so yeah. it's an education process. And whenever you take it that way, then those negative comments really look like opportunities and learning experience. So in social media, advertising is going to give you learnings that you couldn't get any other way. Yeah. So yeah. between the data, the process, the plan, and the learnings, and we have case studies for all of them, then People accept that maybe this is an opportunity that I should explore. Yeah, I think that's good. Now, do you often get people who are confused about the difference between like advertising on Google versus advertising on social media? Yes, very often. And advertising in different channels means different things. So in Google, people are looking for something. They're looking for, I always, I always use the example of snow tires. If they're looking for snow tires, they probably have a car. They probably need them. It's, you know, they normally, those searches spike in the winter. So it's an opportunity. However, you do not know who's buying. You don't know who's searching. So it could be a student making a paper on snow tire effectiveness, or it could be somebody that wants to buy. But you know, they're in the frame of mind. So the offer that you're going to give them or the place where you're going to drive them is different than 
whenever you know the profile of the person, but you do not know their frame of mind, you don't know where they are in their customer journey, right? In social media, it's more about education, it's brand awareness, because you know who that person is. It's a male or a female, 35 years old with family that has an SUV and lives in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. So you know who that person is, but you don't know if they need snow tires or not. So it's an education process on why my snow tires are better than the competitors, why you should consider snow tires whenever it snows an inch or more, et cetera, et cetera. So see, they're different yeah. frames of mind and so they're do complementary. Think, do you think that education-based advertising is better than like the Google advertising? Like, do you have a preference or do you base it on the client, like depending upon where they are and what they do? Exactly. Yeah. I base it on the client. I base it on the product and the industry. Is it something that you are easily understood? You already know baking soda. So, and in Google search, normally because they're in the frame of mind, you don't need as much education. It's more of a direct conversion That's than in social media. Gotcha. In general, obviously yeah. there is all sorts right. of nuances um, to everything. You know, yeah, that makes sense. Good. That's so good. So what else, like when it comes to digital marketing and I mean, you know, we're in the midst of the pandemic, we're going into, you mm -hmm. know, one, four year has passed at this point. A lot mm -hmm. of things that we used to could do offline are just not feasible right now. And so I think coming into the digital landscape and, and updating businesses in order to be able to be seen and found online is absolutely essential. What are some of the other variables that are essential to being discovered online? Whether you're choosing, you know, traditional advertising, digital, I mean, Google or social media or not, like what are the other things I need to consider outside of my messaging, of course, in order mm -hmm. to be able to be effective and to get those people to actually start the journey, whatever my, my funnel or my life cycle is for uh, per click, like what else do I need to consider in that? Yeah. So the first thing is, do you have a plan for after they click on your ad? That is the most overlooked part of an advertising. Once you tell people what to do, are you letting them do it? Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, you're telling them to come learn more, but they go to a buy page. That's kind of wrong. You turn them to learn more, but you're telling them when they arrive to buy now without more information or the opposite. You're telling them to buy now, but then they arrive to a learn more page. So make sure that the promise that you made and the actions that you told them to do is what they end up seeing after they click and enable them. Let's say you have a learn more. Let's say you have a B2B business and you just want to get leads. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. You offer something, they give you their information, you have a lead. Now what? Yeah. What is the next step? They're not going to buy just right away. You right. have to have a plan to nurture that right. relationship. Right. And if it's a B2C, a consumer, but they arrive to the landing page, but it's not the right time, how are you going to reach back to them? Yeah. How are you going to retarget them? Retargeting audience are people that lifted their hand. They say, I like this, but it's not the right time now. Mm -hmm. So will you call them later? Will you establish that relationship? We like each other at the beginning where we kind of sort of maybe we're going to date and then something happened. So I'll call you in a month. I'll keep touch. Yeah, so I love that. 
I love that mm-hmm. the definition you just gave for retargeting makes it so easy to get and understand. I like this, but now is not the right time. So, mm-hmm. you know, being there when they need it. Like, is there in your world, is there like a general rule of thumb of how many times you should present yourself to a potential client through advertising? Is there like okay. five times, eight times? Like, is there a specific number of times? I found very good conversions anywhere from four to seven times. That's how often, and depending on the product, obviously, if it's a health related or if it's something that you eat or something, then it may be longer because it takes more education, but four to seven times. But whenever you talk to people about retargeting, they normally talk about it in a negative way as users. Oh, I bought the coffee maker and here they are advertising the coffee maker again. That's bad retargeting. So the first thing that I want to say about retargeting is from retargeting, take out anybody that already purchased. You do not want to annoy them. You don't want to propose to your wife again and again and again. You already got married. Why don't we work on those anniversaries? Why don't we work on, you know, something else? Right. Definitely. Right. So take them out. And if after seven times of landing in your landing page, they have not converted seven or 10 times. It depends on the product. Yeah. Then maybe give them a break, give them a break. Maybe they're not interested. So this is the secret to really good retargeting and really good nurturing of a relationship between a brand and the audience. Make sure you listen to them. Are they coming and doing something different? Are they still interested? If they're not, stop, give them a break. If they are, but just not the right time, then continue gently. So that's the key to real good marketing is an advertising is thinking about it as a relationship. Mm-hmm. You do not want to be overwhelming. You want to be insistent. You want to be there for them and you want to listen. Oh, that's so good, Naira. You said you don't want to be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You want to be, I heard present, even though that's not the word you said, you want to be present for them. Yeah. You want to be yeah. present. That's a good, that's a good. good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's you want to be present. You want to listen. You want to be insistent, but not overwhelming. So, and they segmenting the audience, that's where good marketing is applied. Yeah. And that, and segmenting can only happen the more data you have. That's why we need data. Take us all the way back to the beginning, right? All the way back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is great. This is really, really great. I think for those of you who are listening, like, I hope that you just, you just really got an amazing crash course and things that you need to be cognizant of if you really want to scale your business, right? Like, can you get to the million dollar mark organically? Yes. Technically, yes, you can. You could. <laughs> but it's going to be a lot more work, right? You get to the point where when you're trying to really volumize and you have a decision to make, am I going to spend my time or am I going to spend my money? Because they will both get you there, but spending your time means either you need lots of resource team or you're facing burnout in your business. You don't even have the time and energy to do what it is that you do for your clients because you're so busy trying to find new clients, right? So you get to the point where the money, spending the money makes more sense. And now you're allowing the algorithms and the data that's already been collected by whether it's Google or Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram, you're letting their data work with your targeting to present yourself consistently in front of the people 
you want to know about what it is that you bring to the table. And when you take Naira's suggestions around retargeting and you make sure that you have a really robust campaign in place to present yourself to them from four to 10 times in order to evaluate whether or not the time has now come for them to be interested in your product or service to solve the problem they cannot solve on their own, you really do open up a really viable relationship because it is all about relationship. I love that definition that Naira just gave about marketing. Marketing is about relationship. Your goal is to not overwhelm, it's to be present and insistent in your potential client life and the life cycle of whatever it is that your products and service solve for them. That is so phenomenal, Naira. Like, did we miss, is there anything else we should tell people before we end our conversation today about this amazing overview that you've offered to them? Yeah, and I think it, it touches into what you just said, that at some point you do have to pay for it because your organic reach is going to be limited. Yeah. And that's yeah. very common. Um, all platforms are pay to play and they're limiting their organic reach for many reasons. But one of them is they want you to pay. And it's good to pay. It's good to pay because whenever you pay to get to an audience, you get to decide who that audience is. That's so good. So even if you're trying to grow your followers and all this, and just stalled, your followers just capped at a certain number. Why don't get more followers of the people that you know would like your message? Yeah. So when you pay, yeah, when you pay, you get to decide who those people are and bring them to your house and then invite them over for dinner and establish that relationship. So paying for advertising can be really good with the right approach. The approach that you and I have established that it's a relationship. It's a relationship. And whenever you look at it that way, then it's a win-win situation for both parties. Yeah, that's so good. So awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So before I let you go, I have three questions that I ask you just as a way to round out our time together. My first question is, what is the last book you read? The last book I read is called, is actually a children's book. Okay. No, it's, it's, it's a really good book, but it's in Spanish. It's called El Chico de la Flecha, which means the boy of the arrow. And it goes back to when Spain was by the Romans and all of that. So it's kind of a historical book. Okay, awesome. I love that. And then what would you say is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is not as much of a quote as it's a speech that was given at a university by an admiral. And it was about, you need to make your bed every day. Mm, Like make your bed every day because when you start your day with, and you make your bed, you already accomplish something. Mm, I love that. So you start your day in a positive way. And if you have a bad day, you come back to a perfectly made bed that will comfort you. Oh, I love that. That's so good. My last question is, what is one tool you swear by to continue moving your business forward? One tool that I do like our reporting tool, it's called Dash These. And it is, if you're running in different channels, in different campaigns, then it puts it in a very simple way to understand. Okay. So they don't know I'm saying this, but I actually really like them and they have awesome customer service, but we use it as our reporting tool. Awesome. So we will look that up and put that in the show notes as well as all of the information about how people can reach out to you if they want to learn more and even consider working with your company to help them with their digital marketing needs. I just want to thank you so much for being here. 
this conversation was awesome. I know you guys got some great, great stuff from Naira. So thank you so much for being here, Naira. Yes. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Awesome. See, you thought I was joking when I said that she just literally gave you the tea on everything you need in digital marketing. It was absolutely phenomenal. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. There were so many things that Naira talked about that really, for me, did it. I love the way she puts words together. Like there's just this really natural evolution of the way that she describes the whole process. The fact that marketing is literally like a relationship, right? And that you don't want to be overwhelming. You want to be present and insistent. That was just phenomenal. Talking about the going back to the basics and really understanding the importance of knowing your customer. We hear a lot of times, a lot of guests on the show talk about knowing yourself, right? Well, Naira talked about knowing your customer and using that data and what that data tells you to be able to get in front of the clients that you really want to serve instead. I love the difference between why you might use Google versus social media for your advertising. So Google, we know that people are looking for something and on social media, it's really about education and brand awareness. That was really powerful for me as well. And then, like I said, the retargeting piece and really breaking that down for you was just phenomenal. If you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, you might want to connect directly to Naira. So we're going to put all of her deets in the show notes so that you can reach out to her, can learn more about everything that she's got going on. And you can start your journey to really leveraging the power of digital media to make your move to millions. I'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thank you for joining me for the Move to Millions podcast. The way I see it, you deserve a business that generates millions. If you're ready to get started, grab our Move to Millions quick start guide and join our online community at movetomillionsgroup.com. If you enjoyed our time together, do yourself a favor, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Until next time, remember, millions are your birthright. And to access them, all you have to do is move. I'll see you next time. Take care.